come with us. Into the wild wood.
Welcome, fellow travelers, into the Wildwood, a pagan podcast with your hosts, the two of us, myself, Red Oak, and Rev Kai. Hello. Hello, hello. No, oh, good, now time to everybody. <laughs> Lost my words there, sorry. Uh, Lady Caparis here, God King Cthulhu. Um, do the God King Cthulhu thing. There we go. Uh, Papa is here, Yolandi, and Luna is here. Um, let's see, Lady Kapura is in Spark, Nevada today. It's cold. Oh. Going to Reno in a while. It's cold here, too. I was telling Lee yeah, I woke up late this here. morning because it was so gray I missed sunrise. Mm. Oh, did you see Papa Me's Rusk post? On yes. The, on the, the yes, it was great. I love it. <laughs> I was I was actually gonna we were trying to get um, a box of rusks, um, ordered some, and then they came back and said they're out of stock. <laughs> so I was gonna sit here with rusks and coffee. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, everyone needs to take pictures of their rusks and post them in the Discord now. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody is new here, um, have a look in the description. There's a link tree link in there, and uh, you'll find everything in there. Join us on the Discord server. You can continue conversations that we have here, and uh, you know, all the good stuff. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a share. Uh, give us a chat. Throw some stuff in the chat. Throw some comments in. Comments are good for the algorithm as well. Yeah. But you can only do that afterwards, I think. So. And the thumbs up. Just stick to the show. Yeah. And the thumbs up, yes. All right, so today <laughs> we're having a look. Yeah, sorry. You I was going to say, if you're new here, you have no idea what we're talking about with Rusks. That was all last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a food. <laughs> Let's put it that we way. did determine that. Going... It's a food. Yeah. Well, if you want to know more, you'll have to join the Discord server now. And uh, <laughs> we will post pictures. Okay. <laughs> All right, so today we're having a look at ancestor worship. Um, if anybody has experience with that, uh, if you've got any questions, what we're talking about, you don't know what we're talking about, anything like that, there's the chat. And Sappho is here. Hello, happy Friday to you too. Hello, no. All right, so where do we start with ancestor worship? I suppose at the beginning, why do we do ancestor worship? Because they're family? Well, <laughs> my reply is kind of like, well, why not? Um, <laughs> and Pamela is here. Hello, Pamela. Hello. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, we, I mean, we said this before. Ancestors are not just... I suppose they are family. It's, you know, it's not your bloodline. Or is your bloodline. It can be what yeah. you consider extended family as well. Um, but teachers, pets, um, all of these beings that I don't think a lot of people consider to be ancestors. Yeah, I'd, I'm a heathen, and ancestor worship has been a large part of my practice for, I don't know, all the time I've been pagan, basically. But people do get hung up on ancestor and family. And I, I definitely use those terms uh, much like I use beloved dead and mighty dead you know they are the 
has nothing to do with DNA or bloodline or who birthed who and who married who in some patriarchal family tree. It's about, you know, those who loved me in life, those who taught me, um, those who made an impact on my life and my path. And uh, just because they're on the other side in Hell's Halls doesn't mean I break that connection. Mm. Yeah, God King Kasuri said, Mighty Dead versus Honored Dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was actually trying to think the other day because uh, I was, it was something I was saying in one of, one of my videos was practically every culture in history and around the world honors their ancestors. And I was, I was trying to think in the back of my head, who doesn't? Christians. Um, there's Christians, yeah. But, I mean, that's the obvious one. Are there any, any other cultures or traditions that actually don't? I, I can't really think of any. I don't think Islam does because they have the same afterlife beliefs. Um, that you go somewhere else and it's a linear timeline and, and that sort of thing. So mm. I, but you know, that's the, the break, the difference in worldview, uh, being dead doesn't affect your ability to interact with your family or mm. interact with this world or have a conversation or, um, be in community. Yeah. Because yeah, as, as, as you said, it's that worldview, it's that separation. You know, they mm -hmm. they don't really want to be here. This is a bad place to be. They want to be in that heavenly afterlife. Well, afterlife. Um, so why? Just, yeah, but why just... would you? Why would you therefore want to bring them back? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of attitude. Yeah. Just as, just the term afterlife and. And the idea that this place is bad and that place is a reward afterwards, that whole mm. concept um, kind of shuts down ancestor and family connection. But, you know, the Christian church um, has pointedly said that's the reason they want to replace the family unit. They become father and, and mother and everything else. So... And, and liberation from the old gods and fate and and that's the point of Christianity. They're very um, antithetical to those worldviews. Mm. Uh, Lady Kapera said, "18th Dynasty Egyptian ancestors." Okay. Yep. Um, and Justiana is here. Hello. 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 And Yulandi, uh, it will be interesting to hear from orphans who they worship as ancestors. Um, my brother, who is an orphan, worships the same ancestors as the rest of us. Yeah. And as we said, it, it's those people who we loved in life. Um, doesn't have to be bloodlines and things like that. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I don't want to honor my, you know, uncle who was a rapist or my father who molested me or, you know, my mother who abused me, that sort of thing. And I'm like, there's no reason 
to, and there's no reason those people should even be considered to be counted among the ancestors. It, it's it's this modern idea that ancestor only means bloodline, and it doesn't. It really doesn't. It, it's very much about those who were alive, probably in human form. I know you included pets, but I don't include pets as ancestors, uh, just because they tend to be familiars. If they, you know, I don't know, maybe I do. I've had some pets that were definitely not magically inclined. They were just pets that I loved. And their pictures go up on the, the big wall of pictures of people I loved. But I don't necessarily expect them to do anything. Yeah. Just... Uh I think I think when it comes to pets, I mean, like, uh, I to be talking about pets. <laughs> See, you got your answer now. <laughs> he had a lot to say on that too, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a big old. So I was wrong about that, apparently. Um, <laughs> I will uh, correct my perspectives now that I have been corrected. There was nothing outside either. He was just barking at me. There you go. So, pets can absolutely be ancestors. I amend my <laughs> statement. Um, yeah, as I was going to say, before we got the answer from your doggy, um, I mean, the pets are considered to be parts of the family as well, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I definitely consider them in that aspect. Uh, yeah, just Jana said he, he knew we were speaking about him. Yep, so. yep. <laughs> um, one thing I have found with a lot of people, um, you know, I suggest doing ancestor work. And... In a lot of cases, and I think it's a neo-pagan thing, it's kind of been somewhat removed from general practice. Um, it's probably because a lot of people come from that Christian background where it's not a, a part of a, a general practice at all, and therefore they don't even consider it, it's not even a thought. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, I, I suggest doing ancestral work, and the first question is, who do I contact? Who do I start with? Um, and it's very, it gets, it get, actually gets quite difficult sometimes because, you know, in, a, in, in many cases, it's my, my grandfather didn't like him. My grandmother didn't like him. Um, and then it becomes a distant kind of connection. Um, they know they have this uncle that was removed. They'd never, ever met them but they'd heard that he was a really nice guy, um, should they start there? And it's kind of like, it is a bit, it's a bit difficult to try and connect with somebody like that, especially if you're not used to doing any kind of ancestral work. But it seems to be, I, I kind of get the feeling if, we, if you start somewhere, you've got your foot in the door. And then you can start moving from one ancestor and then another, attract another ancestor and you can start moving 
along the line type of thing to those ones you actually want to be connected to. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, I find difficult. most people's guides are their ancestors. Mm. Anyways. Yeah. And, and for me, who do I contact? Well, the answer is right there in the name ancestor. That's the title that you use in prayer. That's the, the word that you use when you want to contact someone. My ancestors. That's that's the answer. And that doesn't mean bloodline. Um, it, it's, you know, those who have loved me and cared for me and guided me like family. Those who have stood around me and helped me, whether I can see them or not, whether I know their names or not those who have mothered me and been you know the teachers in my life that's what ancestor means um and and if you go and, and make offerings to that you open that door even if you don't already have a spirit or a god or a guide or a familiar or anything just you know it feels like it's just you and you don't know anybody else in the spirit world just starting there candle and a cup of water and hey i want to be in contact with my ancestors i want to meet my beloved dead i want to converse with the mighty dead i want to know you know those that care for me and guide me and you'll it'll come through usually very very quickly i find ancestor connections happen within days almost always it's not you know, keep at it for a couple of weeks or months, like it can be with other spirits and especially with divinities and gods. And mm. because, in my experience, they're there already. They're always around. They're always looking after you. They're always there. You know, don't do that. Don't step in the street. Go with this person. Don't go with that person kind of stuff, whether you realize it or not. That's, that is the function of ancestors. That is what they're doing. And it's just kind of becoming aware of it and being able to interact on a little more personal basis. But some people also engage, you know, in ancestor worship, never moving into a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship, but keeping it at the beloved and mighty dead. And that's, that's it. They make their offerings. Thank you to the beloved and mighty dead. And that's where that stays. <clears throat> um, God King Cthulhu said or asked, uh, do Christians remain Christian when they get to the other side and see the truth? Um, well, problem there is, first of all, we don't know what the truth is. Um, and secondly, it probably depends on worldview. You know, Christian person dies, they go to Christian heaven. Well, I die, I go to where, where I believe. I mean, my grandmother, uh, up one side, she was Christian, uh, went to a Methodist church, always wanted us to go to church, everything else. I think truly did believe in Jesus and all of that stuff. I still converse with her in Hell's Halls these days. Mm. So, okay. you know, um, I don't have many other people in my family that I knew in life and they were Christians and still I keep contact with them in death. Um, most of the other people were not that Christian or 
they went to church because it's what was expected and they kept traditional practices at home. But, um, you know, I've also known plenty of witches that have worked with uh, saints. Saint Cyprian, super popular, right? And, yeah. I mean, lots and lots of magical workers um, obviously get help from Saint Cyprian and work with him in a variety of ways. So I, I don't think the um, barrier of Christianity that we are used to in our modern day of Christians think any kind of magical practice is bad and it's the very Calvinist Protestant um, damning kind of puritanical Christianity. Even, you know, the deeply spiritual people, I don't think it that that negativity holds up in death. It just doesn't yeah. seem to hang. Yeah, it is very interesting thing to consider because if we, you know, that what we what we understand as Christianity and heaven and hell and all those concepts within that worldview, that's created by people mm -hmm. um, and their own egos and biases. Um, so when we are conversing with people on the other side, there's not really a place, but we we can we construct a place because that's what we do in our physical world in order to go to go to a place and converse with somebody um but i mean if you start considering the mysteries it's not really any physical place so well you know as a heathen i can't agree with that okay because place is an integral part of understanding um what it is it's so yeah. um you can't you can't divorce place from it. I understand what you're trying to say that it's a a a non physical kind of understanding. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of like, people... like you 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 would go sorry you would go and talk to your grandmother who was Christian and all your other ancestors in a particular place which is a a construct. Yeah. Whereas a Chinese person who has a, a different understanding of what that would look like. Um, would have the same experience, but it would look like that place, that construct that they are, are taught and used to. Um, but there's no difference. Yeah, as a heathen, I wouldn't say there's no difference. Um, okay. And part of that sensing of place and sensing of relationship to place, um, I think that's also a very traditional witchcraft perspective because everything mm is related in the cosmos and everything has direction mm -hmm. and it's direction from where we are it's it's a relative direction but i think that's there but i understand um you know kind of like a, a cultural filter that overlays what may be an underlying mm -hmm. reality uh I don't know how well the word reality applies in this area that we're talking about because it doesn't apply terribly well in the concrete physical I've got a desk right here area either and it gets a lot less physical and a lot less entangled um, as we move into these other areas but especially within heathenry and and my understanding of traditional witchcraft place is 
not something you can remove from the equation. Mm. Yeah, I think the word place was probably a, a bad, um, bad thing to use. It's more, it's more that that kind of that, that cultural construct. Um, well, no matter what culture we're talking about, I mean, think about little kids who are always like, "Where did they go? They're not here yeah. now." So where did they go? And and we really do have that that sense that they are somewhere else. And we describe it as place. We describe it as location. That's how we understand it intuitively. The the windows and the curtains and and the setting are definitely culturally influenced. You know, I talk about Hell's Halls yeah, because yeah, that's, that's that's what I'm familiar mm. with. Whereas, you know, in another setting that might be heaven and in another setting, um, mm. you know, that uh, so many different understandings of that, but it's still place. It's still location. Mm. And yeah. I, I, I don't want to lose that idea because I think it's really fundamental to the, the framework the worldview of traditional witchcraft and heathenry, which is one reason I have no problem fitting them together. Yeah, to put it kind of uh, kind of crudely, um, if we were to imagine a room, and that's where the where you go and meet the ancestors. For one person, it looks a particular way. For another person, if it's completely, it looks completely different. But it's the same room. You know, that's, that's I think that's what we're both. We're both kind of talking I, about and trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the same room or not. I can't. Yeah. I, I don't know how to make that call. I, mm. I can see a worldview that that is based in universality that says it's the same room, and looks appears differently to different people, but I can also see a worldview that says no, it's actually different. They're different places, mm. and I tend to fall on the different places side of of worldview, but it this point there's no way we can never choose one of them and say this mm. one's right and this one's wrong because it's it's impressions at that point and it's belief yeah, yeah. right sorry chat's piling up over here let's go back over we, here. we um, argue about semantics like we always do <laughs> Um, Sappho said, uh, you start with the land beneath your feet, who lived there before you, where you rest and take in nourishment. Mm, absolutely. Mm. And, and mm. the spirits of the land and the people in the land and the, um, the land dead is the term that I use. I, uh, maybe I count those as ancestors. I don't know. It, it gets kind of fuzzy in my opinion, when we talk about all the spirits and um, other beings and, you know, things that don't have a body that we hang out and work with and, and interact with and, and share community with. So, mm. but um, the, the land dead are definitely part of my offerings frequently. Uh, they don't advise me that often, but sometimes they do when it has something to do with them you know if i want to plant a tree then definitely i am i'm communing with the 
the spirits in the land and the land dead and and getting feedback from them that sort of thing when i'm out um you know wayfinding uh i'm trying to connect with them although usually i'm in new places so it's much more of a observe from afar and see if they're hostile or not instead of sit down and have a conversation well it's a bit like somebody says to you uh to me um you know i i was guided in a particular way what spirit did that mm -hmm. um, and i often think about it myself you know what's actually guiding me through my life is it my holy guardian angel is it my ancestors is it that some other spirit that i, I came across when i was a child or something like that and like i've think I've, I've mentioned it before when i was a kid driving in the car i used to look out the back window and there used to be this horde of spirits like a cloud following me um was it them i don't know and i don't actually know if it actually really 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 matters signs um, you might be a witch <laughs> you watch things running along beside your car when you were a child <laughs> <laughs> you know clouds of spirits following you, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know I think when we, we we do tend to categorize things a lot. We enjoy doing it as human beings. We have logical minds and we love doing it, putting it all, everything into a neat little boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and we can talk about it, conceptualize about it. But I think at the end of the day, at some point, in a lot of cases, we just need to let that go. I'd say something's guiding me. It's doing good. Well, Let's just carry on. so many of those answers are tradition specific. Yeah so many of them that it's very hard to talk about generally you know mm -hmm. if you come to me and you're asking me in my tradition what is this particular spirit i probably have an answer because mm -hmm. my tradition has a way of categorizing all those spirits but if you go to somebody else in another tradition their answer may be very different because that categorization and breakdown is going to draw different lines you know across this this wide swath of things it's like is a platypus a mammal are you sure about that what about this fish over here there there are lines we've drawn to try to categorize and understand the spectrum of experience and mm. it's going to be different depending upon cultural context and history so the and, and the problem is people without traditions go on the place of all things, the internet, and ask what is the concrete answer, and then get answers from people of all traditions or no traditions. And they're like, I'm so confused. And it, well, no wonder, you know? Yeah. It's like, what is the word for hello? And everybody answers from the language they speak. And you just think there should be one thing. Well, yes, that's hello everywhere through all of these languages yeah, yeah. fuzzy lines and all that stuff mm -hmm. all right before i get to just jono's question i just have to do a public service announcement because jono is here <laughs> and has asked me to do a public service announcement uh luna jono's just gone home okay good stuff All right.
Just I, feel, I feel um, like I'm in school and the principal has just come over the announcer. <laughs> Students, Jono is home. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> uh, just Yana asks, so why would you choose to work with your ancestors over any other spirit? Um, also said... Uh, to me, it doesn't really feel like I'm spiritually alone, but I can't necessarily place what it is. It kind of feels like uh, a tutor because when I do something dumb, I feel like I get whooped. Okay, so why would we choose ancestors over other spirits? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, for me, it's because your mm. ancestors are by far far and large the safest spirits to interact with they're like your mother they love you the most, they, love you the most. Um, they have your best interests at heart they want to see you thrive and continue and have a wonderful life that's that's what makes them an ancestor that right there um, mm. you know they are the I said like your mother, but like the ideal concept of mother and father and grandparents and, you know, those um, best supporting family that just want what's best for you and have no reason ever to steer you wrong. They have no reason mm. to punish you. They have no reason to trick you. They have no reason to steer you wrong. That Again, that's what makes them an ancestor. They are the closest to you. They're the most easy to access. Um, like I talked about before, opening up to the ancestors often results in contact within days, whereas other spirits, it could take quite a bit longer. And it's because they're close. They're nearby. Um, so, you know, ancestors are, are a spirit that I can always recommend to people that's absolutely safe. Um, it's not going to be maybe you found a parasite that's pretending to be a god or maybe it's a spirit that wants to trick you or maybe it's just something that's vampiric that wants to suck away your life energy. That's not an option when we're talking about ancestors. That's not there. And you can't pick up bad ancestors unless you go seeking them out as a spirit by name, which is never how I recommend people start. You don't get your family tree and find the name of some obscure, you know, uncle or auntie and start worshiping them as an ancestor. That's just connecting to a spirit. That's not yeah. connecting to your ancestors. And, you know, so, and then once you have the connection with your ancestors, whether that's plural or singular or however, because sometimes it's just one that comes through for people for quite some time. And a lot of times I understand that as this is the representative who's speaking for the deceer, who's speaking for the matrone or, or whatever. Um, but they're the ones that you turn to when you meet other spirits and say, is this safe? Is this okay? Can you see who this really is? You know, they will, they will tell you, Hey, that's not a God. I'm not, I don't think this is good. You shouldn't do this. Or, um, you know, this spirit that you keep inviting to your home. Yes, you're getting some good things, but why aren't you seeing that they're also doing these things that you probably don't want? So ancestors are your spiritual buddy system. 
that really keep you safe in the spirit world and connecting with everything else that's out there. Uh, my ancestors help me find my familiars. My ancestors help me interact with the gods. My ancestors make sure that I find the right books. Um, my ancestors, you know, all of these sorts of things, really, my ancestors are the the shoulders of the giants that I stand on in order to be and, and progress as a witch. So mm -hmm. I, I find ancestor worship absolutely vital to the practice. I couldn't imagine doing what I do without them. I, I wouldn't think it would happen. Yeah, they've got your back and they're there to nurture and guide you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, all right, Deb's here. Hello, Deb. Uh, and said uh, our ancestors were looking over us before we were aware of it. Yeah. Uh, Solemn Sun. That's kind of where I get lost a little. I make my offerings and I pray to my ancestors, but I'm not sure what to ask for or how to really utilize them in practice. I always kind of see this as, as sort of like, um, you know, you've got your favorite, your favorite family member. You know, the old granddad or the, the uncle or something like that. You can sit down with and uh, maybe have a beer or something like that with and just sit and chat. You know, how was your day? Yeah, shit. Yes, we know. We know you want to be <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> Very talkative mm. today. Usually he just sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they they give advice they give guidance um they give protection uh mm. when i don't know what to do first place i go is talking to my ancestors uh, you know i bring yeah. them their favorite drinks and i light a candle and i say i don't know what to do with this situation i don't know where to go mm. from here i need help or um you know, if I want to explore something new, first place I go is my ancestors. I want to learn about da-da-da-da-da, you know. Will that help me? Where do I go? Guide me to the right resources. Point me towards the right people. Help me find the quickest way there. Or if I meet new spirits or I want to work with new spirits, my ancestors are always there beside me to be my buddy system and my backup. Uh, to tell me what's what, to help me test the spirits and, and find out how that's going to be. When I get spiritually or psychically attacked, I turn to my ancestors to help make the right choices and guide me through that process, protect me when I'm sick. I ask my ancestors to help me with healing. I ask my ancestors to help me with channeling energy. I pray to my ancestors when people are hurt and, and need, you know, classic thoughts and prayers that happens with my ancestors i say help me with this help me do this magic help me um, make their lives better talk to their ancestors you know rile them up get them on this and, and helping this person yeah. um sappho said i heard the saints aren't hard to work with i mean i don't tried working with the saints before, I just couldn't get the connection. So I don't really know myself. I find most saints, well, I'm not approaching, um, you know, St. Valentine and some of those other saints that are really 
very much like let's kill everybody but saint cyprian saint francis saint michael um uh saint anthony uh many of those saints i find very very easy to work with but uh you know i also have um a pretty good background in southern conjure work where that's what you do and so i've been introduced to those saints um, just like i've been introduced to the ancestors of my tradition and and the gods of my tradition and that sort of thing and and that makes a difference i think um, having mm. those introductions having that vouch system in place yeah uh deb said to solemn just talk to them there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, Jono Luna said hello and sent a kissy face. Uh, <laughs> I have to. I just have to. Uh, Eddie Cabrera said exactly 100%. Uh, oops, I skipped. Hang on. Jono, feel super weird to consider ancestor stuff as a generic white South African. Uh, I don't know if this is for me. My Omar would resurrect just so that she could die of shame at my witchcraft not necessarily i think you know that this is actually a question that comes up and you i think you, you kind of touched on it earlier um you know my my grandma omar uh was a christian and now they've died how does that fit in how do how do they how how would that that person view me practicing witchcraft and I get the sense that after we die, all of that just falls away. Yeah, it really just because, doesn't matter. Yeah, because we, we, we understand more. We understand, you know, the broader scope of things that are actually, <clears throat> sorry, actually going on. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it really, it really matters. In the accounts of people I've talked to who connect and... and work with their ancestors and offer worship i have not heard an account of somebody who ended up contacting an ultra christian um relative that they knew in life that was like that and when they contacted them in death the relative admonished them for necromancy which is what we're talking mm -hmm. about right talking to the dead or admonish them for uh, witchcraft or anything like that which necromancy is one of those pretty heavily forbidden things in Christianity. You cannot talk to the dead and uh, in, in Christian practice, it is very, very forbidden. And yet I've never heard a tale of somebody who does that. And that ancestor says, you know, no, they're just there and, and they're happy and there is love and, and connection. And, and they're happy to be honored and fed. Um, and, and that's another big part of it for me. Worship is not uh, the Christian idea of worship, uh, which again has been perverted and, and, well, I shouldn't use perverted, twisted into something else. Worship just means to give worth to, to say that this person, this being, this spirit is worthy of my attention, my care. Um, and, and being fed. We, we believe deeply that the ancestors need to be fed. We're the ones responsible for feeding them. That's how we make them strong. That's how we give them the influence and the powers that they do have. And if you don't feed them, they eventually 
die over there, basically. They wither away and they can't do anything, and eventually you can't find them anymore. I don't know if that means, like, they reincarnate or, or what, I don't know what happens, but um, if you feed them, they get strong and they can do a lot of stuff and have great influence in your life, and if you don't feed them, they wither away and you can no longer find them which you know there are plenty of spells to take someone who is dead who was a shit-tastic asshole in life and make sure that they don't get fed on the other side that their name's not said that they are not hailed they are not given the waters of life and then they're gone forever and you know that's mm -hmm. part of of the practice of ancestor worship also is to make sure that those mm -hmm. who really need to die die and are absolutely gone and have no further influence. Well, that, that's another question. Um, and I've seen this, this come up before. Um, if somebody was a complete a-hole in life, um, they were a vile human being. Um, after death, what are they like? Does that ego continue? Or does it, that all, also all fall away? I... I... There is uh, quite a bit of that evil intention, I think, that continues. Because either mm. you're a soul that loves other people and has compassion for them, or you're not. And, mm. and that seems to continue. And I think some of the astral parasites that we talk about are dead. That, you know, weren't great people. This is what mm. they turn into uh, because trying to, get food. trying to get food, trying to get sustenance, trying to sustain um, the, the life that they are now living, even though it's not this life in a corporeal body, it's still a kind of living. It's still a kind of existence. And they kind of um, fade into this, this husk, this shell uh, of a spirit that all they want to do is feed and eat. And you think about why are there so many astral parasites? Well, why are there so many, you know, asleep assholes that just don't care about anybody else and die? What happens to mm. them? So yeah. that's that's my theory of that. I think there's other kinds of astral parasites too, not just hungry dead. But I shouldn't use hungry dead. That's a specific term. But... You know, I do think that core intention, I don't think it's ego and identity, but I think there is a core um, alignment, maybe, is the right word, that continues. You know, some people are very much aligned to love and care of animals. Some people are aligned to um, following divinity and uniting with divinity. Some people are aligned to hurting others. Some people are aligned to causing pain and harm. I think that core thing does continue after death. Mm. Because I've contacted spirits that are just pools of, of evil and harm and all they want to do is cause suffering. That's that's it. That's their entire goal. I've contacted spirits that do not give a rip about humans, but absolutely love dogs and animals and will care yeah. for them to the exclusion of all others. You know, yeah. so I think because the ego and the identity and um, many of the the outer things, the personality, they don't continue as well after death. Like they kind of, they fade away. And so that core 
thing seems to become louder because the other layers around it fade away after death. Yeah, well, I think this is where things get a bit fuzzy as well again. Oh, we can, absolutely. Depending on what culture, what tradition, I mean, we can talk about the lower self and the flesh being that kind of ego aspect which remains after death for a while because that was kind of the glue that stuck everything together. Mm -hmm. And it carries the ego with it. Mm -hmm. um, we, we can label it like phantasm or something like that, which kind of remains in our physical space. So when we I think in all of our cases, what happens is we contact that that phantasm, that, that lower self, which holds that whole ego aspect, but it's not actually that. So again, fuzzy lines, traditions, yeah. different cultures. And there's, yeah. I think there is a, a core experience, again, running through multiple traditions of a, a process of transition after death. Mm. You know, there is a, a change that happens after death, just like there's a change that happens after birth. There is a growing personality and a development and so on and so forth. I think the same thing happens after death, in, in a way. Yeah. All right, back over to the chat. Uh, Lady Kapera said, my belief is we inherit those Neteru uh, through the connection with the dynastic ancestors. Um, Deborah did ask, what is Neteru? And Lady Kapera answered, Neteru are Egyptian gods. Yep. Again, different beliefs. I love, I love all the, looking at all the different uh, ways that people view these things. That's yeah, why we have these chats, so you all can come and share your traditions and beliefs yeah. and everything else, because it's yeah. just me and Lee. We only got two perspectives. <laughs> if it's just us, <laughs> that's not enough. Uh, Shradikman's Cats is here. Hello, hello. Hello. Um... Shall we take a quick break and do a refill and then I'll come back and finish all of the, well, go through the rest of the questions, which That's... I've now skipped. There we go. Back to that. Okay. That sounds we'll good. That. I'm very glad that we have um, lots of conversation going on about this today. This is wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right. We're going to go top up and we'll be back in a minute. Don't go anywhere. Keep asking questions. We like them. Comments and everything else. Be right back.
Welcome back to Into the Wildwood, and we are discussing ancestral worship today. And let's go straight back to the chat. So Luna said, I'm a Christian. I don't worship my ancestors per se, but I do speak to my deceased grandmother and appeal to her for advice, which she gives. Uh, she was a devout Christian, by the way, but in a nice way. Um, I would actually say you'd be worshipping your ancestors, though. Yeah. That's that. exactly what... That's what ancestor worship is. Yeah. And we, I think we have to come back to um, etymology. Worship. Uh, worship does not mean get down on your hands and knees and bow and everything else. It means that you find a particular being, person, entity worthy of having a, having a relationship with. Um worthy of their station uh, something like that yeah ship uh, um is uh rooted in uh, skype uh which we find still in modern terms like friendship relationship worship um and they all imply a bond or a relation that is continuing something that you mm -hmm. return to and so friendship is a continuing bond of friends uh, of people that support each other relation is a continuing bond of family um is where that root is chosen to make family worship is a continuing bond of worthness which is like about on the same level as friendship or maybe just below if we're talking mm. intimacy levels and, and it just means that, that you Re find this person, spirit, entity, whatever, worth something. You will listen to their advice. You will heed their words. And probably the other way, although the thing about worship is it implies that it's often a one-way thing. It's somebody that you can go to for advice, like a guru or a teacher or a divinity or something like that. Um, the modern Christian changeover has turned that into something much more than that it, you have to listen to every piece of advice from this divinity you have to do every single thing they say um, you have to including they say you need to bow and you need to humble yourself and you need to prostrate and you need to do all of this and that's their advice but worship mm. just implies that you have a conversation and you think they're worth listening to Exactly. Um, all right, Dr. Thulu, um, how do you make sure it's not just an imposter or trickster spirit? Um, I think you kind of feel it, first of all, but I think secondly, if you are working with this particular ancestor for a while and they start asking you to do things that are tricky, not good for you, do not have your best interest at heart. At, 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 at heart. Um, all of the things that a, a loved one would not ask you to do, then I think it's a pretty good in indication that you're not working with an ancestor. I'd say never call them by name. Do not start the relationship through names, through sigils, through any of those means, because that allows somebody to show up in him imposter them that's not the right verb 
Impersonate. Impersonate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's not the way to make connections with ancestors either. Um, I mm. names really aren't that important with ancestors. Uh, it's it's much more titles, uh, familiar titles: grandmother, mother, um, grandfather, auntie, uncle. Yeah. Um, and those do not imply blood relations. Those imply ancestor relations, that familial relations. Like I talked about, I have a brother who's an orphan because he's my brother mm -hmm. by adoption. But he is every bit as much my brother, well, probably more so than my brother who came from the same genetics as I did. Mm. And I use the term brother quite freely for him because he's my brother and chosen family is you know much more important um the blood of the covenant is thicker than the waters of the womb as they say the chosen family mm -hmm. is is more intense so don't start the the relationship with your ancestors again by looking up somebody's name on a family tree and, and calling them that way that's a good way to get an imposter um, to mm. end up with a parasite that shows up and says, I'm that, because at that point you will have a name, you will have an image, you will have an idea of uh, who and what they were. And if you have that, it's real easy to project that and for something to slip in. Instead, you mm. want to start with the definition of ancestor, the spirits that love you and care for you and only have your best interests at heart. And I find using the word ancestor again part of that is because my tradition teaches you a bunch of vocab at the beginning and has these definitions built in and then you're in a group of people that only use the words in that way um, but if you need a different word for that you can find a different word for that within your tradition and and call them that way and then the only option is for a spirit that shows up that fits those confines you can't have an imposter show up that fits the confines of a spirit that loves you and cares for you and only has your best interests at heart and is one of your ancestors. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, but but I, I talked to my mom and dad, but you know, uh, titles, that's mom and dad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and it's, a you know, at that point of establishing contact, especially those that we're very close to you know i know my grandmother because i spent a great deal of time with her in life um mm. you know I, I lived with her for many years and that sort of thing and when she died i was there with her spirit from life through death i never lost contact so i didn't have to re-establish contact so i know mm. that's the same spirit and, and that's really cool if you have that opportunity, but that's, then you're only limited to the ancestors that you knew in life, that sort of thing, and were there for their death. And then there's many, many other ancestors. Um, most initiatory traditions, when you are initiated, you will be taken to wherever, um, Hell's Halls, the Halls of the Ancestors, whatever, and introduced to the mighty dead of that tradition. These are all the teachers and the people in that initiatory line that pass this on so that you could be there. Those are your ancestors also. 
Those are all the witches that stand behind you that enable your magic and allow it to be. So uh, a lot of ancestors you get properly introduced to. Um, and somebody else says, you know, this is so-and-so, and that's how you meet them, and that's how you know who they are, and so on and so forth. So there's that aspect, too. Yeah. I think that starts um, coming down to, to names, but it's, it's, it's a different, completely different direction. Yeah, but you're not, you're not seeking them by name. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I think seeking spirits by name... Um, is like cold calling. If the only thing you have is a phone number and a name, or, you know, a, a sigil and a name, or a chant and a name, you're cold calling and trusting that the spirit that picks up the other end of the line is who they say they are. But you have no way of verifying that if, if the name and the phone number, sigil, whatever, is all you've got. It's just somebody who picked up the phone, and they could say they are that, Sure. Mm. This is more of more a case of walking into a hall full of people and being introduced to them and mm -hmm. becoming familiar to them mm -hmm. or with them uh, through that process. And, and it, that's the vouch system. You have somebody that you already trust that brings you and introduces you to the other people, to the other spirits and what's going mm. on. And that's how you meet them. Mm. All right, Deb said the dog wants to chat too. He's been very chatty today. <laughs> he got some extra nuzzles and attention while I refilled my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> He's happy now then. Um, Luna said, I've heard accounts of people being attacked by malevolent spirits, calling out for their deceased mother, etc. in desperation, and they show up instantly and ward off the attack. Oh, yeah. I've heard that yeah. many times. Yeah. yeah. Always there. I mean, I think I think in a lot of lot of cases for people, you know, it might not be part of their practice. It might not even be part of their life because they're not even interested in any any kind of magical spirituality. But they may get into a situation where they do call out to an ancestor, and they're always there because they love us. Mm -hmm. So that's that's also why you know if you do start working with the ancestors, it's not a case of it take months to get in contact with them. It takes days. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing we do need to try and learn is how to listen to them. Um, yeah. you know, I will also add that everyone has a mother ancestor. It mm. doesn't necessarily mean that that is your bloodline mother in life and that those two things were combined in one person but everyone has a we call them a desir spirit that is the equivalent of your mother and all they want is for you to be happy and thrive they will protect you no matter what they want to see you thrive no matter what they want to see you happy no matter what it's the pure ideal embodiment of mothering energy and there's a spirit everybody's got one and, and you can call out to her whenever you want the hang-up happens when you get that mixed up with your experience of your biological mother or mm. the mother figure that raised you if you weren't raised by your biological mother and you cannot um extract those two 
one from the other. And, you know, I'm not saying that you should be able to do that in a blink after a conversation or anything. That's years of therapy for many people and lots of inner work and lots of shadow work and, and dealing with all of that. But everybody does have Desir. And in heathenry, it's not a single mother. It's a line of mothers. Because if your mother spirit had an embodiment, then they had a mother spirit. And they had a mother spirit. And they had a mother spirit. And so we call on that entire line of mothers, the Desir, when we honor them. And that's also why we have Odra night, Mother's Night, to honor those spirits. That's what that is for. And, you know, that function in life and in death that keeps us all going, that is the gateway of life, that, that you know, that support that propels us forward. So everybody has that, that is accessible to everyone. It takes some work on our part to get there and to understand that energy and be able to connect to it, especially if we have trauma with our own biological mothers um, or if our, you know, biological mothers are still alive and we would like to call on that mothering spirit in some other form uh, so there's a lot of work there but it is accessible mm. uh, Luna also said I work with Saint Michael mm. uh, Deborah asked what is Southern Kanja Rev Kai uh, we were actually talking before the show that what we might start doing is having a deep dive into various different parts um, and practices, um, focusing on, for instance, Southern Kundra and actually having a, a long, deep discussion about those um, individual things. So we can always add that one. Uh, that's okay with everybody. Uh, and Dev also said, you can contact the dead. I have. Uh, intention is important. Uh, oh, things skipped me. And I'm trying to get back to where I was. We're a there bit behind with chat. That's okay. Yeah, a little bit. Problem is, if I scroll down too far, it goes bing right down yeah. to the bottom, and then I've got to scroll back up to try and find where I was. I um, like Safa yeah. <laughs> said, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Luna, my understanding is that they reincarnate uh, when they're done with their karma. But as all time is happening at once, we are still able to contact them, even though they've reincarnated. Yep. Uh, sorry, nothing to add. Nothing more to add to that one. No, I, <laughs> no. I agree. That's a very viable statement, and it it, mm. it gets really confusing when you try to combine the. Um, stories of worldviews that have linear time with worldviews that don't have linear time. Yeah. Because the underlying basis of the worldviews are incompatible. So um, mm. everybody comes to their own conclusions on how they do that. Yeah. Uh, Deborah asks, so is it their soul that one would put a spell on? You know what I mean? I actually don't. I'm sorry, Deborah. I don't know what you mean. No, I'm not sure what that's about. I'm sure that was in reference to something we were talking about, but I don't. I can't connect I it. Remember. So, 
restate and try again and hopefully we will get it <laughs> yeah sorry it's a great great chat today so uh kind of a bit behind and then lee and i get to talk right. and you know i can't shut yeah, up so <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jono says, I love a lot of aspects of hoodoo. I love hoodoo Sen Moises. Uh, rest in peace, Book on Kanja. I think I've read that one. Um, he spoke extremely strongly on his opinion that the Kanja tradition doesn't work without ancestor work. Good man. Oh, no, it absolutely wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, it's a very strong aspect of hoodoo. Yeah. Um, as cats in Korea, there's these, this idea that mountains are ancestors. Their idea of ancestors intermingles with deities and landscapes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we also talk about um, certain people who um, make the decision of when they die, they're going to become, they're going to protect a particular piece of land, um, and they may get buried under a tree or something like that. Yeah. Well, and I mean. In heathenry, the Alfar are the dead that have been dead so long that they are now the land and mm. don't remember being human or have chosen to to care for the land. And then, you know, Landvites are the dead that care for the land, but they're still a little more human-ish. Um, but, you know, uh, when new land was settled, in Iceland and, and the first humans were there, the first person that died on the land after they cared for it became the landvite. That, mm. you know, that was how that worked. And they stayed there and continued caring for the land. And 20, 30 generations later, you may meet the landvite and it turns out, you know, it, it's Dave Chutney or whatever, who was the first person who cared for this land and he's still there doing it. So there is that aspect too. I definitely, I do think that um, there is a deep connection between the ancestors, the beloved dead, and the land. And that's one of those, again, it depends on where your tradition puts the dividing lines and, and decides this is where we change the word. And this is where we change the word kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know you're probably going to roll your eyes at this. I, I, I actually read somewhere, somebody mentioned that the Dysia are the the feminine ancestors and the alpha are the masculine ancestors. Oh, I've read that quite a bit, yeah. Okay. I, I think that is commonly accepted in a lot of modern heathenry um, mm. because it is quite clear that the Dysia are mothers. That's yeah. what Desir means. Um, and so then everybody goes, well, if there are mothers, where are the fathers? We must have a counterpart. Yeah. And it doesn't really work like that. Um, and Alfar is maybe ancestors, maybe elves, maybe land whites, maybe we don't know, maybe just a term for spirits and we're getting it wrong, but it's clearly a masculine noun um, mm. in a gendered language. And so that gets paired very frequently. And I worked mm. under um, that understanding for many years, but I think it's a little more nuanced than that, um, as all things are, and it's a little more complex. And of course, we always have to be very careful of, you know, um, anarcho um, interpretations where we take our modern understanding and we look back 
and we try and universalize hundreds of thousands of people who lived in hundreds of tribes spread across a huge swath of lands over hundreds of years and say they all believe the same thing and they all use words in the same way and they had a singular tradition and that's just that's not how it is um you know people believe different things traditions changed over time not all gods were worshipped in all areas not everybody had the same understanding of everything we can pick out things like there seemed to be a concept of desir pretty frequently through most of these things some sort of worship of mothers and feminine ancestors okay and mm -hmm. so we pick up the desir but the alfar is a lot more nebulous as to what it meant or diverse maybe i should say and, and what they were some yes ancestors some no elves different race different beings yeah. some elves are ancestors you know so um but when you're new to a path when you're learning about a path all of that nuance is too much and too confusing and so you just get things like, well, the Desir are the mothers. And then somebody says, well, what about the masculine ancestors? And they're like, well, Alfar, you know, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the daddies want to be included in this conversation. Thank you very much. <laughs> but that's a modern thing that we always want that check and balance mm. system that we want it to fit our modern ideas about what balance and fair and inclusion really is uh, when we uh we our ancestors probably didn't think that because they had a different worldview mm. yeah so yeah i mean we talk about mothers um talk about mother earth we don't have father earth so you know why do we have to have this duality in the first place yeah well um, again i think that's really very much a modern modern idea where we're looking for yeah. fairness and inclusion we're looking for um this balance because it's part of a modern worldview that we have now and we must always always be on the lookout for trying to make the past fit into our modern worldview because they definitely had a different worldview they definitely had mm -hmm. a different experience of the world and different priorities and different understanding yeah. All right. Um, Deb said, hey, everyone, remember to put the thumbs up sign by the podcast. Thank you very much. Yes, it was a thumbs up. We like those. Uh, Andrea's here. Hello, Andrea. How are you? No, no. Uh, also said totally 100. Hit the like button. Uh, it seems to make sense that the landscape is a part of our ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. Think, you know, also gets inclusive. Everything is part of the big hole so yeah know, i think um, landscape. with burial we definitely have a direct line that the ancestors return to and become part of the earth and it always makes me kind of wonder about the modern well the resurrectionists that believe mm. that the body gets up and walks around after death at the resurrection are we actually returning people to the earth if we're keeping them in these weird little concrete boxes to turn into soup so that they can be mm. resurrected in whole body you know are, are we isolating mm. them somehow is concrete enough to create that isolation or not i i don't know it's it's a lot of interesting things to ponder with modern burial mm. practices 
Oh, um, I actually watched um, Cave of Bones uh, about uh, Horror and Eledi. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Their burial, same burial, burial rites of burying the, the dead in the, in the ground. Did um, you watch the, the YouTube video that refuted it? No. Yeah, watch that too. Was that? Okay. Well, I can also. Cradle of, of, of Humankind is just 20 minutes off the road, so I can just go and ask that. <laughs> yeah, true. That All that is right there in South Africa where all that research is being done. Yeah, it's all my next, my next door neighbor. Yep. Yeah. Um, just Yana said, uh, since I feel like something is guiding me, would it be safe to consider it an ancestor? Uh, sometimes I've, I'm worried it's not a good na- not of a good nature. Uh, my world has been shaken up lately, but maybe I needed that. Yeah, it's difficult to actually say. I, just because you feel something is guiding you, I wouldn't consider that an ancestor. Um, yeah. Even in my tradition, life, where that's the role that ancestors fulfill, if you didn't specifically um, connect with your ancestors and then ask for guidance and receive it, then I wouldn't, I, w- I definitely wouldn't use the phrase safe to consider. You yeah. know, that's the, this is the answer and I don't have to question it anymore. Um, because spirits show up in our lives all the time, just like people show up in our lives all the time. And they don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. We have to test them. We have to figure it out. If um, It depends on how this spirit came into your life why they are guiding you, what they are guiding you to do. I think we have lots of evidence that there are spirits guiding people to do bad things. Um, And if you're worried it's not of a good nature, that's a huge red flag. That it's probably not an ancestor and you need to do some serious investigation and figure out what this spirit is, why it's there, what it's doing in your life. because if you've got that gut feeling that maybe it's not good, nine times out of ten, your gut feeling is right. It's not good. Yeah. And you shouldn't be listening to it or having it in your life. Um, but occasionally, uh, you know, it's the other way. So definitely uh, investigate that with all due prejudice and, and figure out what's going on there. Don't just assume mm. that it's an ancestor or something safe. Because sometimes our own fear can get in the way. Um, you know, this spirit might have good intentions, but you're new to the practices and, you know, this thing's trying to contact you and it can cause a bit of fear. Um, so that can sometimes get in the way and confuse that. Um, but definitely test, test, ask. And, uh, okay. My way of testing would be to ask my ancestors. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when you're starting that process it's difficult <laughs> yeah but um specifically make connection with your ancestors in the way i talked about um knowing that uh, the only possible spirit that could answer that call is an ancestor is someone that loves you cares for you only has your best interests at heart um, and i would specifically call on the deceer because they are the loudest most prominent ancestors in heathenry that do that, um, that have that function. Mm. And um, when your desir arrives, um, most people 
receive messages in dreams or they have that you know somebody standing at the foot of the bed in the middle of the night kind of thing when they're kind of drifting off or woke up in the night kind of experience and it comes with an overwhelming sense of safety and love there's no fear there's no being scared just everything feels wonderful and safe like you're in the arms of the mother and there can be no danger you are eternally loved you are as safe as you've ever been you forget what fear and pain and suffering and hurt is during that time that's a very good way to know that it is your disear that it is your ancestor that is contacting you because that's what they bring and you asked um, it's always important that when a spirit shows up it's in response to you asking spirits don't cold call for good reasons um, they don't just appear in your life because they just want to make your life better that's not usually the way that works um, uh, Andrew said hello from Alistair and Andrea hello hello uh, Shredding has cats. Uh, thoughts on giving offerings to deceased pets. Similar to what you would give your your um, human ancestors. Water. Um, favorite foods. Um, okay, mine a bone. Uh, yeah, my cat likes tuna. Yeah. And and uh, juices and they like. yeah, broths and juices and liquids are almost always. Um, the way we offer to the dead um, that's why the the communal offering is a soup cooked in the cauldron and everybody who takes the libation it's about the broth it's not about the meat or the potatoes or any of that it's the liquid because it's water and life and that sort of thing um, there are definitely rituals mostly these are connected around making familiars um, uh, of caring at the gravesite for deceased pets and offering them blood. Um, Life-giving blood, menstrual blood, is usually involved to return them to life as a familiar and bring them back. Um, and specific uh, herbal brews, but again, it's almost always liquid form uh, through that process. Mm. Um, just going to ask, so an ancestor spirit has had to spend sometime on earth or could it be any spirit that you loved it's uh it would be any spirit any they would have had to spend time on earth um been alive otherwise they wouldn't be the the beloved dead anymore There's yeah yeah that's that's one of those um that's where my tradition draws that line in that box ancestors were once alive or once embodied yeah. Um, some traditions draw that even tighter and say they need to be something, someone that you knew in life. Uh, my tradition doesn't because we have the mighty dead, um, all those who have initi been initiated into the tradition. Uh, but uh, ancestors, that category. Uh, but again, that's one of the, the Desir don't fit that category, but the Desir are ancestors. I, th I think that's why um, uh, Christiana was asking that question. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a fuzzy gray area. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think apart apart from from the mothers, the the Desir, 
Um, I would say that it would have had to be um, a person or a pet or something which is part of your family, whether that's direct or extended, and would have been alive at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's one of those. It depends on where your traditions draw the line, where Yeah. where the culture draws the line. And yeah, I, I'm I'm realizing now that I've always talked about well they were alive and now they're dead, but then the Desir are definitely ancestors and the Desir don't fit that category. So Yeah. mm, <laughs> confusing as ever. <laughs> Which is why we get to have this show. Because if all of yeah. the answers were cut and dried, what would we talk about? What would we debate and be like, I don't think so. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Life would be very boring. yep. Yep. Uh, Deb did say or responded to Josiana, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a relative or someone you, you know on earth. It doesn't need to be a relative or somebody of your bloodline. Um, you see, I think I think this is where, um, apart from the, the aspect of the, the Desir, is that if you um, contact a, a land spirit or you contact a A god, a deity, um, whatever it is, a, a spirit which is not has not been alive on the earth at some point in, in time. Um, but you form a bond, you form a relationship, you love them and they love you. You know that that's a, that a, that part I don't think would fall under the ancestral. Although, I know there are some traditions that believe their gods are their ancestors. True, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think Peter Pan actually spoke, used to speak about that. Yeah, and um, yeah, there are some interpretations that way. It gets, it gets fuzzy. And it really, we're really at the point where the only answers are answers within specific traditions that only apply in those specific traditions. There's not a universal answer here at all. because it's all about where where those category lines are being drawn and what fits into what box. Yeah, yeah. All right, Andrea said, my mother, Klaus, uh, I would avoid like plague. I'm sure a lot of people would avoid their mother's uh, plague, um, unfortunately. Uh, Jono said, I missed some stuff, sorry. You recommend contacting our ancestors as a collective group? I think this is, this is where things get confusing for a lot of people because we talk about the ancestors plural and therefore it is a, it is a group Mm. Yeah. but I think personally um when I when I think of of working with the ancestors it's usually my mum and dad um if there's anything I need to get information on which needs to go further down the line or further into that ancestral group then I've got my kind of my intro point, my mum and dad. And then I can start, you know, trying to contact other ancestors which may be able to bring particular information forward or do something or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I don't usually reach out to a, a huge
collector because I mean it would be a huge collector group um, if you take all that, those lines all the way back um, but for me it's just that the, the doorkeepers it's the best way I can explain that <laughs> um, for people that are new to ancestral work I do usually recommend contacting them as a group starting as a group especially yeah. for people that are orphans or um, a lot of African Americans who you know their ancestors were slaves that didn't have names they don't have a way to trace that back and so the entrance is the deceer the entrance are the ancestors as a collective group and sometimes there are individuals that step forward or there are individuals that you knew in life that have crossed over that then become um kind of separated from the group in front of the group standing you know at the forefront is how i see it um like yeah, yeah. the mighty dead that are the line of my initiators i obviously know the two people who initiated me in life i was there i lived with them i received initiation but i never met their teachers right their teachers had passed on before i came along and obviously anybody behind that I never actually met in life. I heard stories. So when I think of the mighty dead and those ancestors, I have the two people who were my initiators and I see them quite clearly at the front of the line. They, they come to me very clearly. I still smell their, their perfumes and, and tobacco smoke and the way they smelled. I still hear their voices in their, that sort of thing. And then I kind of see vaguely, fuzzily the people behind them because I heard a bunch of stories about them. And, and I know their names and, and that sort of thing. And then there's people behind them that are a bit more fuzzy that I don't really know that well. And then it kind of just fades out into this great mass of people in black robes because <laughs> that's how we describe mm -hmm. it. You know, the mighty dead, the witches in black robes who stood before us and, and channel the magic from the original source. So, but when I talk about the ancestors, I've got a whole line pictured that fades off mm -hmm. into infinity. And the different categories of ancestors are like that for me. I have a family that is a group and a, there's like nine people that <laughs> stand out in front and then kind of yeah. a little bit more vague, but I can kind of see them behind that. And then it, it kind of fades out into this huge collective uh, of people behind that. So yeah, I see them as a collective group, but because of time spent working, there are individuals and the older you get, um, the more people you know who die. When you're 15, you don't know a lot of dead people. But when you're 60, you do. This is just the nature of, of being embodied and people dying and dealing with the concept of linear time. So there's that situation, too. Um, the, the older you get, the more time you, you spend among humans, the more you know that are dead. And that may be added to your collective dead family as opposed to live family so mm -hmm. but again I, I i do have um a brother that's an orphan i have guided several people um that are orphans because i'm one of those people in the community that says hey as an orphan you have ancestors and i'll help you find them and i've guided several people that are descended from slaves 
and therefore have lost a lot of their heritage and a lot of um, the ancestral lines that they desperately want to trace. And the way to start that is as a collective group by the definition of ancestors. And it needs to be a, a strong definition, it needs to be a strong reinforced definition of ancestors. But um, your, your practice, your worship, your connection is going to change and morph over time, just like your relationship with your family. Uh, you know, the auntie you talk to every Friday is going to be a much deeper connection than the one you only see at the annual holiday dinner. It's same thing happens with ancestors. Um, Shroni and Ms. Katz asked, do you perform alpha bloat? Yeah. Said that right. Yep, alpha bloat. Yep, the mysterious, weird um, sacrifice to the elves that we don't know what people did, but you definitely kept your doors closed and didn't allow any outsiders in through the process. <laughs> <laughs> um, also asked, would you say it's okay to improvise and do it my own way? I can't find sources about how um, alpha blocks worked. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only choice you have because we don't have any sources. Um, because they specifically say outsiders don't get to know how it works. It's a very private thing. And I think you're just going to have to figure that out on your own by doing it, by working with those spirits and, and doing that communion thing and, and figuring out how it functions for you. And also remember, a lot of reconstructionist um, aspects are actually contacting the ancestors and asking how they did it. So yeah, that's what that also. that's what tapping the bone is. Um, yep. Going to your ancestors mm -hmm. and saying, "Hey, um, how how do magic? <laughs> how do offering? <laughs> what do?" <laughs> that's that's tapping the bone. That's what that ritual is. Yeah. Uh, Andrea said, "I'm sorry for not asking questions, but the Rev Kai always answers them." <laughs> <laughs> um, and Luna said PSA Luna has to go buy fish and chips in a few minutes I want fish and chips as well you can get oh. all of us fish and chips okay. um, well, all over the world <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be um, difficult <laughs> uh, equally irrelevant to this chat but I'm sure even better than a fish supper I uh, love the ad for your course on Instagram, Lee. Thanks, guys. Uh, I was talking about that ad earlier. That's quite mm -hmm. an interesting construction. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, Jono's drive safely now. Will do, baby. Um, <laughs> you like the principle. I like. Just... I like. Reads I like everything. trying to read everybody's comments. I know. <laughs> I, I, it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> um, Solomon said, I have a goal to one day learn lost recipes from my grandmother. Mum says that great-grandmother practiced a bitch. I would love to contact her about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I uh, definitely interact with my ancestors when cooking. Uh, I have mm. many recipes that have been developed due to ancestral input uh, and not in a direct way, but, you know, just 
Um, you know, you see the jokes online about you put in garlic until your ancestors finally whisper enough. You know, <laughs> that's that's how you know how much garlic to use. That sort of thing. That's absolutely a very common practice across a lot of traditions and worldviews is cooking. And I find one way that I really enjoy connecting and making offerings with my ancestors is asking them, what can I cook for you? And they will tell me, I want this or I want that. And sometimes the things are weird. I think I talked, um, I had a really um, strange couple of months where they wanted these sweet corn cakes. Now, I'm allergic to corn, by the way. Uh, so I had to go out and buy cornmeal and all this other stuff because I don't keep it in the house. But it had to be made with this, with fat from beef that was infused with onions. And so, you know, it, it smelled weird. I didn't eat it because I'm allergic to corn. But, um, you know, everybody else in my house that tried it said it tasted weird because it was like this this meaty onion flavor plus sweet cornbread on top of it. But my ancestors requested it. They loved it when I made it. And then they requested it again and again and again and again for like three months I was making this yeah. particular recipe. That was what they wanted on the altar. That was the cakes they wanted. And so that's what I was making. And then after a while, they didn't request that anymore. And that's, you know, that's a common experience, I think. Cooking for them, interacting with them. And like whenever we do bloat or we have holiday meals, we always make a plate for the ancestors. Um, we always feed them. Um, and if we have any drinks beers wines anything like that we pour them um, drinks sometimes we all have ancestors that get picky and want a whole bunch of something on a plate and not something else and so we end up making a couple of plates <laughs> you know it, it's it's highly variable um what they want and what they need at different times but food is food is an excellent way to connect with your ancestors I think we all, all have to have food, love food at some stage in our existence. Well, and uh, and life. like we talked about, we're feeding them. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, let's see. Jono wants to know if we are initiated into an ancestor tradition. Well, I'm not initiated into any traditions. So. The tradition I'm initiated into, ancestors are extremely important. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll say that. Um, I don't. I don't know. I may have been drunk one night or something. Like that. <laughs> as far as I know, I'm not initiated into any tradition. <laughs> I think you'd know. I think you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Solomon said, uh, "Mum won't tell me how much to put in recipes because her mum wouldn't eat her." <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely going to have to contact her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonah said, I'm actually thinking I should just discuss this with my parents' cleaning lady. I swear every African knows more about ancestors' work than the most educated white person. This is African spirituality. It is very prominent in, in African traditions, especially um, what I know it's, uh, from the Zulu aspect. Um, it's extremely prominent, but it, it's also prominent throughout all the cultures in the world. As we said right at the beginning, I'm not sure if you were here then. With, as far as we can tell, there's only two 
traditions, um, religions, which would be Christianity and, and probably Islam, that don't do ancestor worship. So, you know, it's a prominent aspect, and I think we've come out of this Western society where we kind of fed this Christian worldview, and therefore we, it, it doesn't form part of our normal everyday thinking. Um, but for African people, they were raised that way, and that's just normal for them. Yeah. You know? Well. Put two huts in the back garden. Whiteness itself, the category of a person being white, cuts them off from their ancestors because now they're white. Mm. They're no longer Irish or Welsh or German or Polish or whatever is that ancestral stream that connection to culture that connection to tradition whiteness just like christianity replaces that with some other identity it removes someone from that and so if you you know are identified as white and have been for generations you've been cut off from those traditions for quite some time and those roots mm. and i think you know that's that's one of the reason in modern western society that is heavily christian influenced that is heavily protestant heavily calvin um, that has the white race that made up stuff to replace all of that it's there's so many questions about it when we ta start talking about connecting with your ancestors and there's so much confusion because it's been beaten out of us and, and cut off and removed and purposely pulled away again and again and again and why you got to ask yourself why is that so important to these institutions to do that to remove us from our cultures mm -hmm. to remove us from our traditions and our spirituality and to remove us from our ancestors in my experience the ancestors are the greatest source of strength magic wisdom guidance safety that you can find and it's easily accessible to everyone but if you're told again and again you can't do that well it's only your your blood relations and those people are bad and if you're an orphan you're fucked and you know if you don't know where you come from you're fucked and we're going to remove you from your traditions and your language and your cultures and your food and your people why why mm. are they so interested in doing that no. In fact, when we talk about the ancestors being a collective um, and coming back to the African Jubilee tradition, um, I mentioned this before on a, on a live we had in the past about ancestors. Um, I used to work with a, a, a Zulu guy, a friend of mine, and he came into work one day. He'd been, because he had the traditional huts in his back garden. Uh, where you go talk to his grandmother and everything else. And uh, he came to work one day and he said, the Zulu ancestors accept you because your great-grandfather did X, Y, and Z. That's the message you got. Um, so it's the Zulu ancestors. It's not just his ancestors. Right, it's his people. Those were his words, you know, the Zulu, yeah, his people. Um, and I've often wondered if, I've never actually pursued whether I can work with them or not. Um, they accept me, that's fine, thank you very much. But I don't want to overstep my bounds, I don't think. Yeah, I find that the the boundaries, the cultural boundaries, the racial boundaries, all of those lines we have in the modern world get ignored on the other side. Yeah. 
if yeah. if it's love and it's family and you're working for the betterment of people generally mm. there's some connection somewhere we didn't get to be the diversity of humanity that we see today by nobody loving anybody else or or crossing mm. any borders and you go back far enough we're all one people you know uh, so i find mm. that there's a lot of acceptance um and there absolutely is the process of these ancestors you know however many generations back are talking to these ancestors however many generations back and they get along and then it trickles down and they say you two can be together because mm. <laughs> they decided way back then that that's okay and you're doing good things and you're accepted and that's how we find family and root in diasporic lands yeah. you know my um great grandparents are uh that's where they came to north america before that they were in various parts of, of europe and asia and came here and so it's not that far back that i don't belong to this land but mm. because through ancestral connections and and through working with different peoples i can find those roots and those connections where my ancestors talk to their ancestors kind of thing and figure out yeah you know good person going to be okay did good deeds acceptable mm. Mm. amazing how lost it becomes yeah it's fun to do the math i, I love to <laughs> i love to do the math in my ancestor class and just you know this is how many people and look here's the point where we exceed the number of ancestors versus the known world population Mm. And think about yeah. what that means. Yeah. Okay. Um, Johnny asked, um, how does ancestor work um, work in indigenous America? My understanding is they don't mention the dead out of respect. I think that's something where you'd need to talk to tribal elders, depending upon which tribe there are. Oh. I would imagine it differs a lot between tribes. Yeah. Um, and it may be that they don't mention the dead out of respect because it's so sacred that they're not talking to the outsiders about it. You know, I, I have many traditions that just, you don't talk about it to people that aren't within the tradition because mm. it's too sacred. You, you can't possibly convey the gravity of what is being discussed to someone who was not um, raised up within that process. So you just don't talk about it. Mm. Um, Jono said, if we go back far enough, we can all chat with Noah, but he was a drunkard, so there's that. Sure, there were a lot of Noahs um, who were drunkards. I'm sure. I'm sure I don't know which one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrea, namaste, absolutely agreeing with Rev Kai about, um, about this, about our ancestors and our roots. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah, I really right. am of the opinion that ancestors are the doorway to everything else. Yeah. Gods, spirits, magic, divination. 
learning everything. Ancestors yeah. are the the doorway through which all of that is accessed. The safe doorway, yeah. I should say. There's other ways to get there. Um, there's other things to do. But um, I repeatedly recommend to people to, you know, contact and, and converse with their ancestors because I know that they have your best interests at heart. I know that they will keep you safe. I know that they will guide yeah. you in ways that are loving and true and can only be good and beneficial for you. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of knowledge. Despite my best intentions, you know, that my knowledge is limited. Was our ancestors are connected to all of our ancestors, which eventually works out to be everyone. <laughs> and, and, and hence the Akashic records and hence the collective knowledge of all of experience. And, and you know, if we include um, spirits that are more than human or um, other than human, that's everything eventually connected. Yeah. If we include mountains and lands and, you know, that literally does become everything. So, yeah. feed your ancestors, talk to your ancestors, give them food, give them water, give them love, and, and they will give and you then, everything in return. Yeah. And remember, you're also ancestors. And, yeah, the ancestors that have gone and those that will, 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 will come after those that were and those that are yet to be that's what we say in ritual yeah. uh, but all right then yeah well on that point it's also a reminder to you know think about the consequences of your actions and not be a dick um, you want to be mm. a good ancestor and we often talk about when we talk about our deeds and the right choices it's much more important to be a good ancestor than a good child mm. meaning that you know the legacy we leave for the generations after us not just the our children's generation but by the time we're dead is much more important than the impression for our parents yeah. okay um close to that, I think, and next week we are doing the Compass Round. Oh, yes. So Glad you remembered. We'll have, yep. have a good discussion about Fantastic, I remember. I don't remember much lately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll see everybody next week. Bring your questions regarding the Compass Round. Uh, very traditional, witchcraft specific. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see you then. Thank you all for being here today. And as always, if you want to continue the conversation, join us in the Discord. We'd love to keep talking about this. So see you all soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.